Chapter Eight of Peveril of the Peak by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. My native land, good night. Byron. Lady Peveril remained in no small anxiety for several hours after her husband and the countess had departed from martindale castle more especially when she learned that major bridgenorth concerning whose motions she made private inquiry had taken horse with a party and was gone to the westward in the same direction with sir geoffrey at length her immediate uneasiness in regard to the safety of her husband and the countess was removed by the arrival of whittaker with her husband's commendations and an account of the scuffle betwixt himself and major bridgenorth lady peveril shuddered to see how nearly they had approached to renewal of the scenes of civil discord and while she was thankful to heaven for her husband's immediate preservation she could not help feeling both regret and apprehension for the consequences of his quarrel with major bridgenorth they had now lost an old friend who had showed himself such under those circumstances of adversity by which friendship is most severely tried and she could not disguise from herself that bridgenorth thus irritated might be a troublesome if not a dangerous enemy his rights as a creditor he had hitherto used with gentleness but if he should employ rigour lady peveril whose attention to domestic economy had made her much better acquainted with her husband's affairs than he was himself foresaw considerable inconvenience from the measures which the law put in his power she comforted herself with the recollection however that she had still a strong hold on bridgenorth through his paternal affection and from the fixed opinion which he had hitherto manifested that his daughter's health could only flourish while under her charge but any expectations of reconciliation which lady peveril might probably have founded on this circumstance were frustrated by an incident which took place in the course of the following morning the government mistress deborah who has already been mentioned went forth as usual with the children to take their morning exercise in the park attended by rachel a girl who acted occasionally as her assistant in attending upon them but not as usual did she return it was near the hour of breakfast when ellesmere with an unwonted degree of primness in her mouth and manner came to acquaint her lady that mistress deborah had not thought proper to come back from the park though the breakfast hour approached so near she will come then presently said lady peveril with indifference ellesmere gave a short and doubtful cough and then proceeded to say that rachel had been sent home with little master julian and that mistress deborah had been pleased to say she would walk on with miss bridgenorth as far as moltrosi holt 
which was a point at which the property of the major as matters now stood bounded that of sir geoffrey peveril is the wench turned silly exclaimed the lady something angrily that she does not obey my orders and return at regular hours she may be turning silly said ellesmere mysteriously or she may be turning too sly and i think it were as well your ladyship looked to it look to what ellesmere said the lady impatiently you are strangely oracular this morning if you know anything to the prejudice of this young woman i pray you speak it out i prejudice said ellesmere i scorn to prejudice man woman or child in the way of a fellow-servant only i wish your ladyship to look about you and use your own eyes that is all you bid me use my own eyes ellesmere but i suspect answered the lady you would be better pleased were i contented to see through your spectacles i charge you and you know i will be obeyed i charge you to tell me what you know or suspect about this girl deborah debich i see through spectacles exclaimed the indignant abigail your ladyship will pardon me in that for i never use them unless a pair that belonged to my poor mother which i put on when your ladyship wants your pinners curiously wrought no woman above sixteen ever did white seam without barnacles and then as to suspecting i suspect nothing for as your ladyship hath taken mistress deborah debich from under my hand to be sure it is neither bread nor butter of mine only here she began to speak with her lips shut so as scarce to permit a sound to issue and mincing her words as if she pinched off the ends of them before she suffered them to escape only madam if mistress deborah goes so often of a morning to maltrassy holt why i should not be surprised if she should never find the way back again once more what do you mean ellesmere you were wont to have some sense let me know distinctly what the matter is only madam pursued the abigail that since bridgenorth came back from chesterfield and saw you at the castle hall mistress deborah has been pleased to carry the children every morning to that place and it has so happened that she has often met the major as they call him there in his walks for he can walk about now like other folks and i warrant you she hath not been the worse of the meeting one way at least for she hath bought a new hood might serve yourself madam but whether she hath had anything in hand besides a piece of money no doubt your ladyship is best judge lady peveril who readily adopted the more good-natured construction of the governance motives could not help laughing at the idea of a man of bridgenorth's precise appearance strict principles and reserved habits being suspected of a design of gallantry and readily concluded 
that mistress deborah had found her advantage in gratifying his parental affection by a frequent sight of his daughter during the few days which intervened betwixt his first seeing little alice at the castle and the events which had followed but she was somewhat surprised when an hour after the usual breakfast hour during which neither the child nor mistress deborah appeared major bridgenorth's only manservant arrived at the castle on horseback dressed as for a journey and having delivered a letter addressed to herself and another to mistress ellesmere rode away without waiting any answer there would have been nothing remarkable in this had any other person been concerned but major bridgenorth was so very quiet and orderly in all his proceedings so little liable to act hastily or by impulse that the least appearance of bustle where he was concerned excited surprise and curiosity lady peveril broke her letter hastily open and found that it contained the following lines for the hands of the honourable and honoured lady peveril these madam please it your ladyship i write more to excuse myself to your ladyship than to accuse either you or others in respect that i am sensible it becomes our frail nature better to confess our own imperfections than to complain of those of others neither do i mean to speak of past times particularly in respect of your worthy ladyship being sensible that if i have served you in that period when our israel might be called triumphant you have more than requited me in giving to my arms a child redeemed as it were from the veil of the shadow of death and therefore as i heartily forgive to your ladyship the unkind and violent measure which you dealt to me at our last meeting seeing that the woman who was the cause of strife is accounted one of your kindred people i do entreat you in like manner to pardon my enticing away from your service the young woman called deborah debich whose directions is it may be indispensable to the health of my dearest child i had purposed madam with your gracious permission that alice should have remained at martindale castle under your kind charge until she could so far discern betwixt good and evil that it should be matter of conscience to teach her the way in which she should go for it is not unknown to your ladyship and in no way do i speak it reproachfully but rather sorrowfully that a person so excellently gifted as yourself i mean touching natural qualities has not yet received that true light which is a lamp to the paths but are contented to stumble in darkness and among the graves of dead men it has been my prayer in the watches of the night that your ladyship should cease from the doctrine which causeth to err but i grieve to say that our candlestick being about to be removed the land will most likely be involved in deeper darkness than ever and the return of the king 
to which i and many looked forward as a manifestation of divine favour seems to prove little else than a permitted triumph of the prince of the air who setteth about to restore his vanity fair of bishops deans and such like extruding the peaceful ministers of the word whose labours have proved faithful to many hungry souls so hearing from a sure hand that commission has gone forth to restore these dumb dogs the followers of laud and of williams who were cast forth by the late parliament and that an act of conformity or rather of deformity of worship was to be expected it is my purpose to flee from the wrath to come and to seek some corner where i may dwell in peace and enjoy liberty of conscience for who would abide in the sanctuary after the carved work thereof is broken down and when it hath been made a place for owls and satyrs of the wilderness and herein i blame myself madam that i went in the singleness of my heart too readily into that carousing in the house of feasting wherein my love of union and my desire to show respect to your ladyship were made a snare to me but i trust it will be an atonement that i am now about to absent myself from the place of my birth and the house of my fathers as well as from the place which holdeth the dust of those pledges of my affection i have also to remember that in this land my honour after the worldly estimation hath been abated and my utility circumscribed by your husband sir geoffrey peveril and that without any chance of my obtaining reparation at his hand whereby i may say the hand of a kinsman was lifted up against my credit and my life these things are bitter to the taste of the old adam wherefore to prevent farther bickerings and it may be bloodshed it is better that i leave this land for a time the affairs which remain to be settled between sir geoffrey and myself i shall place in the hand of the righteous master joachim win the fight an attorney in chester who will arrange them with such attention to sir geoffrey's convenience as justice and the due exercise of the law will permit for as i trust i shall have grace to resist the temptation to make the weapons of carnal warfare the instruments of my revenge so i scorn to effect it through the means of mammon wishing madam that the lord may grant you every blessing and in especial that which is over all others namely the true knowledge of his way i remain your devoted servant to command ralph bridgenorth written at Moltrosi hall this tenth day of july sixteen sixty so soon as lady peveril had perused this long and singular homily in which it seemed to her that her neighbour showed more spirit of religious fanaticism than she could have supposed him possessed of she looked up and beheld ellesmere with a countenance in which mortification and an affected air of contempt seemed to struggle together 
who tired with watching the expression of her mistress's countenance applied for confirmation of her suspicions in plain terms i suppose madam said the waiting woman the fanatic fool intends to marry the wench they say he goes to shift the country truly it's time indeed for besides that the whole neighbourhood would laugh him to scorn i should not be surprised if lance outram the keeper gave him a buck's head to bear for that is all in the way of his office there is no great occasion for your spite at present ellesmere replied her lady my letter says nothing of marriage but it would appear that master bridgenorth being to leave this country has engaged deborah to take care of his child and i am sure i am heartily glad of it for the infant's sake and i am glad of it for my own said ellesmere and indeed for the sake of the whole house and your ladyship thinks she is not like to be married to him troth i could never see how he should be such an idiot but perhaps she is going to do worse for she speaks here of coming to high preferment and that scarce comes by honest servitude nowadays then she writes me about sending her things as if i were mistress of the wardrobe to her ladyship ay and recommends master julian to the care of my age and experience forsooth as if she needed to recommend the dear little jewel to me and then to speak of my age but i will bundle away her rags to the hall with a witness do it with all civility said the lady and let whitaker send her the wages for which she has served and a broad piece over and above for though a light-headed young woman she was kind to the children i know who is kind to their servants madam and would spoil the best ever pinned a gown i spoiled a good one ellesmere when i spoiled thee said the lady but tell mistress deborah to kiss the little alice for me and to offer my good wishes to major bridgenorth for his temporal and future happiness she permitted no observation or reply but dismissed her attendant without entering into farther particulars when ellesmere had withdrawn lady peveril began to reflect with much feeling of compassion on the letter of major bridgenorth a person in whom there were certainly many excellent qualities but whom a series of domestic misfortunes and the increasing gloom of a sincere yet stern feeling of devotion rendered lonely and unhappy and she had more than one anxious thought for the happiness of the little alice brought up as she was likely to be under such a father since the removal of bridgenorth was on the whole a desirable event for while he remained at the hall it was but too likely that some accidental collision with sir geoffrey might give rise to a rencontre betwixt them more fatal than the last had been in the meanwhile she could not help expressing to dr dummerar her surprise and sorrow that all which she had done and attempted to establish peace and unanimity betwixt the contending factions 
had been perversely fated to turn out the very reverse of what she had aimed at but for my unhappy invitation she said bridgenorth would not have been at the castle on the morning which succeeded the feast would not have seen the countess and would not have incurred the resentment and opposition of my husband and but for the king's return an event which was so anxiously expected as the termination of all our calamities neither the noble lady nor ourselves had been engaged in this path of difficulty and danger honoured madam said dr dummerar were the affairs of this world to be guided implicitly by human wisdom or were they uniformly to fall out according to the conjectures of human foresight events would no longer be under the domination of that time and chance which happen unto all men since we should in the one case work out our own purposes to a certainty by our own skill and in the other regulate our conduct according to the views of unerring prescience but man is while in this vale of tears like an uninstructed bowler so to speak who thinks to attain the jack by delivering his bowl straight forward upon it being ignorant that there is a concealed bias within the spheroid which will make it in all probability swerve away and lose the cast having spoken this with a sententious air the doctor took his shovel-shaped hat and went down to the castle green to conclude a match of bowls with whittaker which had probably suggested this notable illustration of the uncertain course of human events two days afterwards sir geoffrey arrived he had waited at vale royal till he heard of the countess's being safely embarked for man and then had posted homeward to his castle and dame margaret on his way he learned from some of his attendants the mode in which his lady had conducted the entertainment which she had given to the neighbourhood at his order and notwithstanding the great deference he usually showed in cases where lady peveril was concerned he heard of her liberality towards the presbyterian party with great indignation i could have admitted bridgenorth he said for he always bore him in neighbourly and kindly fashion till this last career i could have endured him so he would have drunk the king's health like a true man but to bring that snuffling scoundrel soul's grace with all his beggarly long-eared congregation to hold a conventicle in my father's house to let them domineer it as they listed why i would not have permitted them such liberty when they held their head the highest they never in the worst of times found any way into martindale castle but what noll's cannon made for them and that they should come and cant there when good king charles is returned by my hand dame margaret shall hear of it but notwithstanding these ireful resolutions resentment altogether subsided in the honest knight's breast 
when he saw the fair features of his lady lightened with affectionate joy at his return in safety as he took her in his arms and kissed her he forgave her ere he mentioned her offence thou hast played the knave with me meg he said shaking his head and smiling at the same time and thou knowest in what manner but i think thou art true churchwoman and didst only act from silly womanish fancy of keeping fair with these roguish roundheads but let me have no more of this i had rather martin del castle were again rent by their bullets than receive any of the knaves in the way of friendship i always except ralph bridgenorth of the hall if he should come to his senses again lady peveril was here under the necessity of explaining what she had heard of master bridgenorth the disappearance of the government with his daughter and placed bridgenorth's letter in his hand sir geoffrey shook his head at first and then laughed extremely at the idea that there was some little love intrigue between bridgenorth and mistress deborah it is the true end of a dissenter he said to marry his own maidservant or some other persons deborah is a good likely wench on the merrier side of thirty as i should think nay nay said the lady peveril you are as uncharitable as ellesmere i believe it is but to be affection to his child pshaw pshaw answered the knight women are eternally thinking of children but among men dame many one caresses the infant that he may kiss the child's maid and where's the wonder or the harm either if bridgenorth should marry the wench her father is a substantial yeoman his family has had the same farm since bosworth field as good a pedigree as that of the great-grandson of a chesterfield brewer i trow but let us hear what he says for himself i shall spell it out if there is any roguery in the letter about love and liking though it might escape your innocence dame margaret the knight of the peak began to peruse the letter accordingly but was much embarrassed by the peculiar language in which it was couched what he means by moving of candlesticks and breaking down of carved work in the church i cannot guess unless he means to bring back the large silver candlesticks which my grandsire gave to be placed on the altar at martindel moltrasi and which his crop-eared friends like sacrilegious villains as they are stole and melted down and in like manner the only breaking i know of was when they pulled down the rails of the communion table for which some of their fingers are hot enough by this time and when the brass ornaments were torn down from peveril monuments and that was breaking and removing with a vengeance however dame the upshot is that poor bridgenorth is going to leave the neighbourhood i am truly sorry for it though i never saw him oftener than once a day and never spoke to him above two words but i see how it is that little shake by the shoulder sticks in his stomach and yet meg 
i did but lift him out of the saddle as i might have lifted thee into it margaret i was careful not to hurt him and i did not think him so tender in point of honour as to mind such a thing much but i see plainly where his sore lies and i warrant you i will manage that he stays at the hall and that you get back julian's little companion faith i am sorry myself at the thought of losing the baby and of having to choose another ride when it is not hunting weather than round by the hall with a word at the window i should be very glad sir geoffrey said the lady peveril that you could come to a reconciliation with this worthy man for such i must hold master bridgenorth to be but for his dissenting principles as good a neighbour as ever lived said sir geoffrey but i scarce see continued the lady any possibility of bringing about a conclusion so desirable tush dame answered the knight thou knowest little of such matters i know the foot he halts upon and you shall see him go as sound as ever lady peveril had from her sincere affection and sound sense as good a right to claim the full confidence of her husband as any woman in derbyshire and upon this occasion to confess the truth she had more anxiety to know his purpose than her sense of their mutual and separate duties permitted her in general to entertain she could not imagine what mode of reconciliation with his neighbour sir geoffrey no very acute judge of mankind or their peculiarities could have devised which might not be disclosed to her and she felt some secret anxiety lest the means resorted to might be so ill-chosen as to render the breach rather wider but sir geoffrey would give no opening for farther inquiry he had been long enough colonel of a regiment abroad to value himself on the right of absolute command at home and to all the hints which his lady's ingenuity could devise and throw out he only answered patience dame margaret patience there is no case for thy handling thou shalt know enough on it by and by dame go look to julian will the boy never have done crying for lack of that little sprout of a roundhead but we will have little alice back with us in two or three days and all will be well again as the good knight spoke these words a post winded his horn in the court and a large packet was brought in addressed to the worshipful sir geoffrey peveril justice of the peace and so forth for he had been placed in authority as soon as the king's restoration was put upon a settled basis upon opening the packet which he did with no small feeling of importance he found that it contained the warrant which he had solicited for replacing dr dummerar in the parish from which he had been forcibly ejected during the usurpation few incidents could have given more delight to sir geoffrey he could forgive a stout able-bodied sectary or nonconformist who enforced his doctrines in the field by downright blows on the casques and cuirasses of himself and other cavaliers 
but he remembered with most vindictive accuracy the triumphant entrance of hugh peters through the breach of his castle and for his sake without nicely distinguishing betwixt sects or their teachers he held all who mounted a pulpit without warrant from the church of england perhaps he might also in private accept that of rome to be disturbers of the public tranquillity seducers of the congregation from their lawful preachers instigators of the late civil war and men well disposed to risk the fate of a new one then on the other hand besides gratifying his dislike to soul's grace he saw much satisfaction in the task of replacing his old friend and associate in sport and in danger the worthy dr dummerar in his legitimate rights and in the ease and comforts of his vicarage he communicated the contents of the packet with great triumph to the lady who now perceived the sense of the mysterious paragraph in major bridgenorth's letter concerning the removal of the candlestick and the extinction of light and doctrine in the land she pointed this out to sir geoffrey and endeavoured to persuade him that a door was now open to reconciliation with his neighbour by executing the commission which he had received in an easy and moderate manner after due delay and with all respect to the feelings both of soul's grace and his congregation which circumstances admitted of this the lady argued would be doing no injury whatever to dr dummerar nay might be the means of reconciling many to his ministry who might otherwise be disgusted with it for ever by the premature expulsion of a favourite preacher there was much wisdom as well as moderation in this advice and at another time sir geoffrey would have sense enough to have adopted it but who can act composedly or prudently in the hour of triumph the ejection of mr soulsgrace was so hastily executed as to give it some appearance of persecution though more justly considered it was the restoring of his predecessor to his legal rights soul's grace himself seemed to be desirous to make his sufferings as manifest as possible he held out to the last and on the sabbath after he had received intimation of his ejection attempted to make his way to the pulpit as usual supported by master bridgenorth's attorney when the fight and a few zealous followers just as their party came into the churchyard on the one side dr dummerar dressed in full pontificals in a sort of triumphal procession accompanied by peveril of the peak sir jasper cranbourne and other cavaliers of distinction entered at the other to prevent an actual struggle in the church the parish officers were sent to prevent the farther approach of the presbyterian minister which was effected without farther damage than a broken head inflicted by roger rain the drunken innkeeper of the peveril arms upon the presbyterian attorney of chesterfield unsubdued in spirit 
though compelled to retreat by superior force the undaunted mr soulsgrace retired to the vicarage where under some legal pretext which had been started by mr windefight in that day unaptly named he attempted to maintain himself bolted gates barred windows and as report said though falsely made provision of firearms to resist the officers a scene of clamour and scandal accordingly took place which being reported to sir jeffrey he came in person with some of his attendants carrying arms forced the outer gate and inner doors of the house and proceeding to the study found no other garrison save the presbyterian parson with the attorney who gave up possession of the premises after making protestation against the violence that had been used the rabble of the village being by this time all in motion sir jeffrey both in prudence and good-nature saw the propriety of escorting his prisoners for so they might be termed safely through the tumult and accordingly conveyed them in person through much noise and clamour as far as the avenue of moltrosi hall which they chose for the place of their retreat but the absence of sir jeffrey gave the rein to some disorders which if present he would assuredly have restrained some of the minister's books were torn and flung about as treasonable and seditious trash by the zealous parish officers or their assistants a quantity of his ale was drunk up in healths to the king and peveril of the peak and finally the boys who bore the ex-parson no good will for his tyrannical interference with their games at skittles football and so forth and moreover remembered the unmerciful length of his sermons dressed up an effigy with his geneva gown and band and his steeple-crowned hat which they paraded through the village and burned on the spot willem occupied by a stately maypole which soulsgrace had formerly hewed down with his own reverend hands sir jeffrey was vexed at all this and sent to mr soulsgrace offering satisfaction for the goods which he had lost but the calvinistical divine replied from a thread to a shoe-latchet i will not take anything that is thine let the shame of the work of thy hands abide with thee considerable scandal indeed arose against sir jeffrey peveril as having proceeded with indecent severity and haste upon this occasion and rumour took care to make the usual additions to the reality it was currently reported that the desperate cavalier peveril of the peak had fallen on a presbyterian congregation while engaged in the peaceable exercise of religion with a band of armed men had slain some desperately wounded many more and finally pursued the preacher to his vicarage which he burned to the ground some alleged the clergyman had perished in the flames and the most mitigated report bore that he had only been able to escape by disposing his gown 
cap and band near a window in such a manner as to deceive them with the idea of his person being still surrounded by flames while he himself fled by the back part of the house and although few people believed in the extent of the atrocities thus imputed to our honest cavalier yet still enough of obloquy attached to him to infer very serious consequences as the reader will learn at a future period of our history End of chapter eight